we're really investing across the business to you know make that process you know simpler, make it faster, make it more transparent for our customers. Really, all across consumer lending and, and mortgage, you know, everyone's kind of looking to see. You know, do you really understand the market that you're in? You know, do you really have that commitment to the long term? And I think being really honest with people that, yeah, this is a challenging environment, but here's how we see the way through. And as I said, back that up with the actions you're taking. Um, that could really inspire people as well. Hey folks, this is Clayton Collins, your host for the Housing News Podcast. Throughout 2022, we've had several episodes that talked about the innovation cycle and the adoption of technology across the home lending spectrum that started over a decade ago with a huge focus on point of sale and loan origination software. And then we saw this acceleration during COVID to to closing and remote online notarization technology. And now there's a lot of innovation happening in the middle, helping lenders build more efficient origination processes to hopefully claw back some of that lost margin that is, uh, that's getting sucked out of every transaction with the cost to originate. Today, we have two guests on to talk about a collaboration on artificial intelligence in the correspondent lending world. We have Rich Gagliano, the president of Origination Technologies for Black Knight, and Tom Wind, the executive vice president of consumer lending at US Bank. Rich and Tom talk about their partnership, but also talk about their own unique challenges and opportunities as they build their businesses forward. And all of this with the backdrop of the housing market that we are currently operating in and the challenges and opportunities presented. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Rich and Tom. If it brings some value to your day and your life, please go onto Apple Podcasts and give us a rating. We really appreciate the rating and the feedback. Enjoy the episode. So gentlemen, we're we're coming together today at a pretty uh, a pretty eventful time in in the housing industry. I know the we've got a lot of movement on the origination side of the market with interest rates shooting through the roof, and definitely been uh you know some surprises in the market with CPI numbers and and con- consumer behavior and how that's impacting origination and uh, and also appetite and and resources that are available for for tech technology innovation. So we're we're here today to you know talk about the the market and also talk about some of the innovation that's happening across the uh, home lending spectrum with a with a focus on the correspondent space. So I want to kind of kick off, Rich, would, would love to hear more about your role as president of Origination Tech at, at Black Knight. And you know that'll, that'll set the stage for, for how we take this conversation. Sure. Uh, so Rich Gagliano, been with the company for about 10 years. I lead the uh, origination technologies division of Black Knight. Um, that includes uh, three LOSs. We, we're in the, the broker space uh, and we're in the uh, correspondence space and then we're in the, the retail space. So, and, and one of our solutions handles really all the channels. So we're omni-channel. And plus that we have 13 other products, standalone products that we sell in the market. So anywhere from fee engines to compliance engines and different pieces of capability that we've acquired or built over the past several years, really to help drive down uh, the cost uh, to originate, really our focus. So we spent a lot of our time focused on just that and how do we get really uh, more efficient and i.e. 
drive that cost down or it, you know, drive revenues up. Nice. And Rich, with such a large product suite at Black Knight between the loan origination systems and the, the 13 products, how do you kind of prioritize product innovation and roadmap? And like, as you, you know, set the roadmap for where resources go and, and when they're deployed, how do you determine um, what, what's getting your time and, and I guess your, your capital and human resources in the, in the dev uh, pipeline? Yeah, you know, it's it really driven by, you know, what we're trying to tackle or accomplish. And, and like I was mentioning, it's it's really about driving the cost down. So a lot of our investment will be in the Empower space. Uh, that's our LOS, um, the Omni channel that supports really all the channels uh, in our uh, artificial intelligence area. And then we have, you know, uh, a sprinkling of investment across some of the other products. And it's typically you know, driven by, you know, again, need changes in regulatory, things like that. Um, but that's primarily where our spend is, is in those two areas right now. That's helpful. So Tom, you're a, an active player in the housing world between housing policy council and your involvement with the NBA. It's uh it's amazing. You still have time for your day job of, of leading the U S bank mortgage business. Tell us more about your role as EVP of, of lending at U S bank. Yeah, Clayton, you know, I'm head of consumer lending here at U.S. Bank. So that includes the mortgage business and home equity lending, personal loans and auto finance. So plenty to keep me busy. You know, I've been with the bank about six years now in the mortgage industry for, let's just say, decades. We'll leave it at that. Probably don't need to say any more. Um, and uh, certainly, you know, this is a, a market that's, I think, uh, you know, surprised all of us and how quickly it's moved. Um, but I can tell you, you know, through all the years I've been around, you know, we've seen the ups and downs and we know this is a cyclical business. We're on the downside now, but you know, there's more upside to come. So Tom, coming out of our housing wire annual conference at the beginning of October, one of the themes that, that really popped up is that there's a lot of professionals in this industry who have been through through multiple cycles and led mortgage origination businesses through through multiple housing cycles, though we know no two cycles look exactly alike. Um, they do they do rhyme to an extent, and the folks that have been through multiple cycles are navigating this market with a you know a different degree of confidence and a in a different type of focus than a lot of players who uh, have entered the industry since since two thousand nine. So, how does your experience? with decades of experience in the home lending space impact your view on leadership and strategy as we navigate this you know, pretty tough market? Yeah. You know, you're right, Clay. There are a lot of people that have gotten into the industry in the last 10 years. They haven't really seen a major downturn. We've had a few blips between the great, you know, financial crisis and now, but nothing like we're dealing with today. Um, and that longer term perspective, I think does give you a little bit of longer view of the horizon. Uh, you know, what we, Try to focus on with the team is, you know, this is a contraction. They happen. You know, we said back in 2020 and 2021, these are not markets that are normal either, right? And you shouldn't expect it to all be roses like this all the time. Um, so let's keep our eye on the long term. We look at a lot of the fundamentals as well. And, you know, I just shared this with the team yesterday. You know, you look at the demographics, you know, you know that are out there, what's happened, you know, with housing and from a three to five year perspective, you know, there's a lot to get excited about, um, but we need to manage our way through this downturn. And, and that comes in, you know, being smart about manager expenses. Uh, you know, every business needs to make sure they have plenty of liquidity to get through tight times like this. And I think this is also the environment well where 
you know, you're not overwhelmed with volume. You have time to really think about better ways of doing things, improving your processes, doing better training, you know, investing in technology, you know. And so having that longer term perspective allows you to kind of see through the, the trouble that we're having today, the challenges of the moment, and really focus on that long term and building the business to be more successful in the future. How do you, for of your team who leads your kind of respective lending channels, how do you ensure that you keep mindset and investment in the right place? And like, I'm sure you have a few team members who who haven't seen quite as uh, many cycles as you have. How do you make sure they don't um, let their hair catch on fire as uh, you know as as headlines and uh, word from originators like kind of like just causes chaos and, and confusion in the market? Yeah, you know, I think a couple of things. First off, we're really fortunate. We have a really experienced senior team. So they've been through cycles. And, and so it's certainly not just on me to get everyone through. It's the entire team. And it's, you know, keeping yeah that discussion going about, you know, where we see the market going in the longer term, how we see opportunities. I think it goes beyond words as well. You know, you need to be out there in front of people talking to them, right? They need to see you face to face from time to time. Uh, and you need to back it up with the actions that you're taking. So, you know, they see the investments that we're doing. You know, we can talk about the things that are going on, the investments we're making in the process, the investments we're making them with, you know, training. In uh, that, together with, you know, just keeping that, you know, calm demeanor and saying, guys, we're going to get through this, you know, keep people focused. Tom, you, you raised the topic of investing in your business and, and innovating during these these tougher markets where um, hopefully people have a little more bandwidth when they're not uh, ch- chasing the, all the refi business that we had over the last two years. And you know, that was one of the, the, the theories or themes that we thought would really come to play in 2022 is there would be bandwidth and resources from the cash that people put on the balance sheet over the last two years to do a lot of the the tech investing and um, find some of the operational efficiencies that helps us build a more elastic mortgage lending industry. And uh, I think, you know, kind of depending on balance sheets and depending on uh, origination strategy, you're seeing that theory play out like in a relatively bifurcated way. I think some people are in too much chaos to make the investments they plan to make. And, you know, there's maybe they came into this market with a little more cash or a little better, better diversification or access to capital and are actually making those investments. So um, has that theory come to play for you and your, your team at US Bank of this is a market where you can or willing to invest in operations and technology? Yeah, you know, I'd say, but sure, absolutely, that we are doing that. And, you know, it really starts back in how you're managing and communicating through the good times as well. So, you know, we let the team know at that time that these these are great times, but they're not always going to be this way. Um, we're very busy and, you know, that's going to mean that we need to focus more on serving customers than, you know, some of the investment projects that we had. Um, but as we get time, you know, freed up, we're going to be all out on that. And, and that's exactly what we're doing. We're really investing across the business to, you know, make that process, you know, simpler, make it faster, make it more transparent for our customers, really all across consumer lending and, and mortgage, you know, everyone's going to looking to see, you know, do you really understand the market that you're in? You know, do you really have that commitment to the long term? I think being really honest with people that, yeah, this is a challenging environment. But here's how we see the way through. And as I said, back that up with the actions you're taking. Um, that could really inspire people as well. Yeah, so 
when you say, do you really understand the market you're in? Do you think there's some, like, what would be some of the common misunderstandings that you think that some players in market might have or some things that just experience hasn't given them the benefit of learning yet? Yeah. You know, I think there's, there's always a risk, you know, people feel like maybe it's going to turn really quickly and, you know, we'll just, you know, ride this out for a short term and it'll be fine. Um, and I think, you know, there may have been a misunderstanding in the last market that, you know, refi business would be around all the time. And we're sitting here, what now? It's something 90% plus of, you know, mortgages are below 5%. Even with a pretty good move down in rates, you know, we're not going to see a big pickup in refis again. And, you know, certainly been around enough to know that the market can turn very fast. So I'm not saying there isn't a possibility for another refi wave in 2023, but it just really, you know, low probability right now. And if you're not getting yourself prepared for a long-term, you know, market that is short on refis, you know, I think you stand a struggle um, in 2023. At the same time, you know, I think there is a lot of opportunity over the next five years. And, you know, that comes from, you know, the strong demographics around, you know, homeownership and, you know, the growth in the millennial generation from renters to buyers. Uh, I think there's a ton of opportunity for those who invest um, as we are, I think, on the cusp of some really, you know, significant change in the way mortgages are processed and, you know, the service levels are given. And if you're able to invest in those technologies, change that experience over the next few years, you have a tremendous opportunity to consolidate market share. So those are the things that we really focus on. Let's let's be realistic about the challenges we have um, and be honest with people about that, but also help create that vision for, you know, where we're going in the future and how we can really succeed. Rich, you have the benefit of working with a lot of different mortgage lenders from from different channels and uh, and funding sources across the industry. What's kind of the your state of the union on like the the confidence level and appetite for investing in in new technology and adopting new solutions from the kind of the the prospect set that you have interactions with? You know, it's interesting that you know we we tend to have the same conversation and completely different markets. So for the past couple of years, lenders have been so busy uh, and they're looking for efficiencies. Never any conversations about cost. It's all about how do I become efficient? I can't find resources. I can't find underwriters. I can't find X, you know, and now we're, you know, in a different market. And now the, the, the same question really just asked a different way. How do I get my costs out? How do I get more efficient? And, and so you know, for us, it's, you know, the, the market change so far hasn't really impacted what we're seeing. We, we are seeing some panic out there, uh, no question, in some of the in some of the lenders that we're and we're hearing it and we're seeing it and we're reading about it. Uh, but for the most part, you know, what we're seeing is clients being committed to transforming their platforms. They really need to get moved off of, you know, these manual, uh, you know, processing systems and onto something that's more automated. So we're, we're still a pretty strong pipeline and uh, you know, our signings are continue to be pretty strong too. So, and we're hoping that continues. And with solutions kind of across the, uh, the, the mortgage technology stack or sphere rich, are you seeing any increased focus on, on certain types of technologies? And like what we've talked about on housing news before that, like the initial wave of mortgage tech adoption was, was very focused on kind of origination, point of sale, LOS, and then COVID 
accelerated a focus on closing technology and the ability to do remote and online closing and title processes. And, uh, and we've had guests talk about now it's kind of the focus on the middle on like the ops, the loan processing and, and underwriting and pre-close and post-close QC and servicing. So is that, is that kind of timeline and thesis come into play in your world or are you seeing a different focus area? It, no, it absolutely is. And, you know, we, we do have closing technology and delivery and, uh, you know, e-notary. And we, we saw that really jump in that, uh, you know, first half of 2020 when COVID was hitting. And as things, you know, settled in, settled down and people started getting back into the title offices, we saw that really slow back down. I, I quite honestly, it, it's slowed down to not too much better than what it was pre-COVID. So yes, and then it's, now it's shifted back to, we're still seeing a lot with uh, on the point of sale uh, and, and loan officer support, um, but, you know, a lot of attention on, you know, how do we get underwriters from, you know, we hear that, you know, about two underwrites a day uh, to, you know, something way higher than that. And, you know, we, and we believe we can get uh, underwrites way higher than that with our technology, um, you know, which is obviously going to make them more efficient and help with the cost. But that's where we're seeing most of the, the attention right now. Are you seeing any, trends and like what clients are asking for in terms of new features like are there like like on existing products are you seeing any like as the market shifts like just focus on like hey we need xyz capability is or or is that not a trend you're really seeing popping right now you know i would say not not specifically it's it's really you know how do we you know uh, helping them with roi exercises and you know and how do we you know think about things differently and you know and quite honestly it's the leadership is a, is a big part of that story. When we work with leaders like Tom, you know, who, you know, has a great understanding of the business um, and, and has been through a lot of cycles and understands what technology can do and, uh, and is one to do the investments. It, you know, it makes all the difference in the world. You know, if you got to have folks uh, at the top that are, uh, that believe in it uh, and want to invest in it and then really push it down uh, to the, to the folks. There is, a strong resistance to change. People will continue to do the the same manual processes using, you know, uh, a lot more sophisticated technology if you allow them. And, uh, you know, that's where, you know, my mind and what we see is it's the leadership really drives that. And and, and as far as, you know, specific areas, I, I think that they're just, you know, really hungry to be more efficient or, you know, drive those costs out. And we're, we're in a cost cycle right now from a technology perspective. That makes perfect sense. So I won't bury the lead too much on this episode, but we're, we're here to talk about a collaboration between Black Knight and US Bank around a, an AI-driven correspondent lending channel. And I'm excited to dig into the the origins and outcomes of this project, but I think it'd probably be helpful to, to like set the table, Tom, with learning a little bit more about U.S. Bank's correspondent business and like learning about the, the how it fits with the rest of the U.S bank model, the types of clients you're working with, kind of just like the the overview, and then we'll kind of dive into the innovation. Sure. You know, Correspondent is you know, one of the main channels. It's about half of our origination business. It gives us scale that allows us to enter you know, markets where we don't have a physical presence. Uh, so it's a really important part of our overall business. And actually, we have two pieces to our correspondent business. So there's the traditional correspondent business that everyone probably think of where we're buying you know, the agency loans and our portfolio products. Um, but then we also have a part of our correspondent business that deals with housing finance authorities where the 
master servicer for a number of state and local housing finance authorities. And that for us is a fantastic way to you know, expand out our reach and serve first-time home buyers. So we're really proud of our participation in that market because a lot of those first-time home buyers, you know, come from diverse backgrounds. It's really expanding out a joy of home ownership. Um, so it's a very strategic fit with our business. Um, you know, when we look at where we are overall in correspondent, um, you know, we feel like we position ourselves really well with, you know, that a mid-size uh, mortgage bank that's looking for a variety of different executions. We participate, you know, in uh, best efforts business, a mandatory business, and we really view ourselves as you know their partner and source of liquidity. And those mid-size mortgage banks, those mid-size IMBs that you you work with, do they like are are you typically operating in markets where you don't have a a retail presence? I know I know you mentioned a uh, you, you know it helps you kind of build out coverage and geographies where you don't have a presence. So t- tell me more about how that like that mix ends up working out in the end. Yeah, you get, it does give us diversification when we get into markets that we don't have a physical presence. We are in 44 markets with our retail business and we do have a nationwide consumer direct business. But when you put that together, you know, it's you know relatively small amount of market share. Uh, we're going to continue to grow, but you know, like the, the mortgage business is huge and um, and even as we continue to grow in retail, there's opportunity for us to build share on the correspondent side as well. So it takes us into you know areas that we aren't today. Um, it, you know, great relationships we have out there with the independent mortgage banks. We also have a number of you know mid-sized banks who have mortgage divisions and similar to the IMBs. You know they they want to have that product for their customer, but they are looking for a partner to provide that liquidity and take on the servicing. Is, and so thinking about the market we're in today, has the correspondent business with the the midsize IMB clientele an area that, you know, kind of fuels uh growth within the origination mix at US Bank with kind of the the IMB model typically aligning pretty well with purchase business? It does. And you know, we have a strong purchase business on the retail side of the business. Well, I think one of the things we see a little different in correspondent than retail is you know, our retail concentration leans a little heavier to our portfolio product, um, given just geographically where we are as a bank and the kind of markets that we're participating in. So we see an opportunity in correspondent to do more of the agency government side of the business. And that provides a nice complement overall between saleable business, you know, that generates the fee-based revenue and the portfolio business that generates the longer term spread income. So as you think about the, that, the, health and opportunities and challenges of your correspondent business, what were the the motivations that kind of led you to pursuing this collaboration with Black Knight on developing some some AI-driven capabilities in the technology stack? Yeah, you know, uh, I don't think there's a mortgage executive out there that sits around going, boy, I think I'd like to put in a new LOS because that would just be a cool thing to do. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's not one of those things that, uh, you know, is an easy task. It's kind of like replacing your central nervous system. So you do have to feel, you know, a compelling need, desire to change. And from our standpoint, you know, I'd say it's one that was uh, very tactical, um, but connected to something that's very strategic on the tactical side, like where is our, our existing provider of, you know, vendor for the LOS made a decision to exit the business. Um, so we had a choice. We could either take over that platform and manage it as a proprietary platform, or we could move to a new platform. 
Um, but I also say part of the reason that vendor exited, it was very much in sync with our thinking and what we were talking to him about is, you know, the pace of change in the industry is starting to change uh, more rapidly. Um, the need to continue to invest in the platforms um, is there. Um, the opportunity to leverage some of these technologies like AI, um, cloud-based computing, are really starting to change you know, the ability for the lender to be much more efficient, to provide a much higher level of service. So from that strategic standpoint, we were also at that point of saying, you know, we need to make a move. If we're really going to build this business for the long term, if we're going to be a leader in a you know, competitive situation, we have to have you know, these capabilities and looking at the platforms that we we're on. You know, it was just really clear, you know, they weren't going to provide the base uh, and nor were they going to provide the investment uh, to take us into the future. I 100% get the, the comment around no executives out there looking to change LOSs just for the fun of it. So, Tom, am I picking up that this was the initiation of a relationship with Black Knight or were you already working with Black Knight and other products or other technologies within the, the overall business stack? Yeah, yeah, we we have a number of relationships with Black Knight, and, and this sort of that played into our decision making. You know, we went through a process, went through an RFP process, looked at what was in the market. If you look at the correspondent side of the business, you know, there were uh, you know a couple of options out there that were correspondent only type platforms. Um, we looked at them and felt, you know, one case, you know, we just weren't comfortable with you know the sustainability of the, the vendor. And others, you know, kind of question the long-term investment. And so, you know, the big decision points for us came down into, you know, platforms that we felt really had the right core um, and, you know, partners that we could work with who would, you know, be committed to the vision that we have for where the business can go, would be committed to making the long-term investments. And that's really what won the day for us with Black Knight is, you know, that shared vision of how we can use technology to fundamentally change the process and a commitment to make the investments to get there. Yeah. So, so Rich, I'll, I'll bring it back over to you and like, kind of take, take your point of view on when, when this, when this project initiated with, with us bank and through like the, the evaluation and like maybe use the term like RFP process, like what were you focused on bringing to the table from like a correspondent technology, um, correspondent LOS like focus? Like what, what were you focused on and making sure came across in this conversation with Tom and his team? Yeah. You know, the, the focus has been uh, with, with empower has been the, the automated, you know, exception based processing. Uh, we've added uh, the AI capabilities were areas where we couldn't solve with just pure uh, automation. We have a, a tool called orchestration engine that is very powerful and can do a lot of things, but you get to a point where, uh, you know, that capability stops and you, you need to start looking for uh, advanced technologies to do some of these things that we were looking to do. We didn't go, uh, you know, buy uh, an AI company to, to go solve problems. We had problems that we needed an AI solution for. And, uh, and, and really, you know, I think Tom said it uh, spot on, you know, we, we had uh, very similar uh, desires uh, from an automation perspective to really, uh, you know, streamline this process, turn faster and get that cost out of there. We do have a standalone solution uh, that we've been in the process of retiring and, you know, that solution had is really just a delegated solution, no automation, no real good way of, uh, you know, creating that automation. So what we did was we ported that 
over to Empower, you know, created that first, you know, leg, which was the, the delegated. And then we, we, you know, we created non-delegated uh, and then, you know, went uh, after the, uh, you know, that seller experience, which we did a lot of work with uh, U.S. Bank and their clients to develop uh, focus groups and those kinds of things. So, you know, but, you know, I think the, the key thing was the, the strong desire to, you know, really use the technology to, to get these loans, you know, processed way more efficiently. Rich, when was that acquisition of an AI company? I, that one might've uh, kind of slipped by me. I usually stay on top of all these uh, M&A announcements. Yeah. yeah. About five years ago, we did it. Okay. Well, what was the name of the business and how, how is it, how is it integrated? It's, it was called Heavy Water. Okay. Uh, and you may still hear that every once in a while. Uh, the product that they created was called and is called Ava. And uh, we, we use Ava today and, uh, and have been advancing that capability over the, the past five years. I hear a lot in mortgage tech circles about AI and machine learning and robotic process automation. And it's not, it's not always clear exactly uh, how, how deep some of these capabilities are in the product. So can, can you go a little bit deeper on how exactly where you've implemented uh, this artificial intelligence capability into the loan origination platform? Sure. Yeah. So the, the first area that we've uh, really focused on was really in the document package uh, for correspondence. So correspondent lenders, uh, purchasers are going to get these large packages of documents. You know, traditionally they're getting broken up uh, with human capabilities, you know, human on the back end, that sort of offshore. Uh, and then there's this whole exercise of pulling information off those documents and testing against a set of rules. So it's stare, the old stare and compare. And so what we did with Ava, quite honestly, we we're using a couple of vendor partners that we tried to solve this problem with. We couldn't solve it to the way we wanted to or take it to where we wanted to. We, we took Ava and actually pivoted what we were focusing on to, to solve this problem. So we've got a, a, a list of about 52 items that uh, we want to get accomplished over the next several years. But, uh, but this was an important one and it's hard. Um, it's complicated. It, it doesn't sound that hard, but uh, it's been uh, unbelievable. Had some of the smartest people literally on the planet uh, working with us uh, from not only on the Black Knight side, but also externally uh, with AWS and some others. So, uh, but we, we, we take documents, we break them into and identify what the document is and then store them where they need to go so that users can find them. And then we pull off, you know, a tremendous amount of data that we then take and run through a rule set to flag those loans that uh, aren't passing, you know, whatever the, the criteria is. So th that's what we've been focused on. We've uh, continued to see that improve over the past year and we're really excited about where we are with it. So, so to make sure I'm clear here. So the, the AI is like specifically focused on like doc recognition. So you can go ahead and pull in the right fields into the software platform and eliminate the, the stare and compare checkers, checking checkers, like layers and layers of extraneous cost inside of the origination process. That's right. And then, yeah, pulling that data off, which is the, a lot more difficult. I think there's technologies out there that you're okay at identifying documents, you know, using code, you know, we're using a tremendous amount of data uh, to teach uh, the platform um, how to understand and find, you know, doc, you know, documents change and, you know, uh, she's able to go uh, find it, 
you know, uh, accurately with, you know, accuracy levels that are well over 95%, you know, yeah, so actually back to human. How do, yeah. How does, how does Ava compare to like in, in the quality control process to like the old process, like was checking, checking, checkers, checking, checkers, um, less accurate than what you're able to do in, in the AI arena? Yeah, we, we think so. I, you know, you're asking you know, people to look at a lot of data. Um, you know, that's perfect machine, uh, you know, use right there. You know, let them solve the, you know, the more difficult problems and the things that don't pass and let the technology go, you know, go through and scan. You know, we see and we talk to lenders that are doing, you know, 20 percent uh, samples. You know, mm-hmm. we say there no more sampling. Do 100 percent. Test everything you can. And uh, and then kick out the ones that are, are that are failing. Right. As opposed to, you know, you know, randomly selecting, you know, files and that sort. Of thing. I mean, that's good for that? good for origination costs, good for consumers, good for the the purchasers of the, the loans in the end. So, Tom, are you like what are you seeing in like the actual loan batching and like in QC audits? Are you starting to see uh, some some changes or positive dynamics and quality of data assets? Yeah, you know, and it, just like Rich said, I mean, it's it's kind of building that capability. So, um, you know, we're seeing a lot of progress on the document recognition. So things being classified right, put in the right containers um, and progress happening along the lines of the data extraction side as well. And what that does for us is it allows us to focus more and more on exceptions as opposed to yep. everything and cover a you know, broader path just as rich suggest and you know can go back to a comment i made about commitment to the vision you know it it's not easy what black knight is attempting to do and you know i think we have a a clear view and a you know kind of thought that we're going to get to the point where most loans go through you know in a kind of lights out fashion but it's going to take time to get there there's a lot of learning that goes on as much as we'd love to say every document standardized it's not they're different. You know, they come in different from different lenders. Um, so there's a lot of learning that goes on, but you can see the iterative process and it's kind of seeing that progress that gives us so much hope about what this can accomplish in the future. And, you know, it's good for us, right? It helps us from a cost structure standpoint. It also means we're much faster. Nice thing about Ava. And I, I, I think Rich, you referred to Ava as she, I didn't, I kind of caught that in there. Maybe you did. Um, but Ava works, you know, 24 hours a day, right? <laughs> you know, and is always going um, and has, you know, the ability to scale up tremendously. So as you think about, you know, the response times to our customers, it really starts to speed up that whole cycle, which is really important to our lenders. You know, as they're looking to us for liquidity, um, the faster we can clear things through, you know, the less back and forth we have you know, the faster they can get their funds and go on and fund the next loan. With the correspondent model being, you know, kind of the definition of a B2B and uh, your, your clients being IMBs, Tom, are they using your, are they using Ava and like your loan origination software or is it, are they at their own kind of front end for origination and passes through to you in the sale process? Yes. Yeah. So they, they originate the loans on their platforms and then they're sending those you know, the data and the documents over to us. Um, our process then is to review those documents, you know, make sure, you know, things are compliant. They pass our reviews, uh, which more and more, you know, the you know, analysis of those documents, the data extraction can happen by the platform. 
um, the rules can be executed. So there's less and less our team has to do with that. Um, the the interaction then we have with you know the lender is through a portal, um, seller digital, um, and this is another you know I think big success we've had in moving to the Black Knight platform. You know the uh, employees that are customers who deal with you know that interaction, who work on that platform, who upload the loans, who track the progress, and deal with you know the suspense items come back. They love seller digital. Uh, it's, it's really created efficiencies for them. You know, it's very transparent in what they're dealing with, um, easy to work with. Um, so, so that's been a big plus for us. If you think about, you know, in the retail space, how, how much has been poured into point of sale for retail, you know, seller digital is effectively our point of sale with our correspondent customers and, and having a platform that's easy to navigate that puts at their fingertips the information they need is really important is, you know, lenders have lots of choices. You want to be that lender. They say, yeah, you know, it's easy to work with us bank. Yeah. So my understanding of like the delegated and non-delegated correspondent world is most mortgage banks are have multiple correspondent partners. Um, does technology become a, a differentiator in how they, the percent of loans they choose to send to you or, or work with us bank on? Yeah, I really think it does. And it, and it comes down to what does that technology mean for them? It means, you know, simpler, easier processes for those people, right? It means, you know, faster turn times for them. In the non-delegated space, uh, which is predominantly, you know, in our portfolio type products, um, you know, it's the speed, you know, that we can, you know, go through and complete the underwrite, uh, which is really important to the customer because, from the lender standpoint, they're waiting to get the answer to their borrower, right? And they're entrusting that underwriting process to us. And, you know, the, the underwriting process in Empower has significantly improved our ability to underwrite those loans that the lenders choose to send to us for underwriting. Interesting. So as, as we talk about artificial intelligence and we've, we've identified this, this initial use case of, of document identification and, and uh, data aggregation into, into software, have you identified any additional AI use cases inside of the origination flow, Tom, or any other areas where you're looking to, you know, to, to ramp up um, where artificial intelligence can make your process more efficient? Yeah. You know, when it comes to the correspondent business, I think, you know, beyond the data extraction, you know, document recognition and the next frontier, uh, which is probably going to be bigger in a retail business than correspondent, but has application on correspondent as well, is really optimizing the process, you know, learning, you know, what flow through the system works most efficiently and, you know, setting that as the process to, to work going forward. So I think there's some real opportunities there from, you know, the process efficiency standpoint. And, you know, Rich probably has some ideas how that will get applied, you know, as you know retail platform. Um, but we see big opportunities there. And then more broadly is off, you know, the, the correspondent business a little bit as well. But we're doing a lot around AI and identifying, you know, customer opportunities, understanding you know, when people uh, may be interested in buying a home or, you know, borrowing money, doing, you know, home, home equity loans. So a lot from a, you know, customer identification standpoint, I think when it comes back to the correspondent business beyond, you know, the data extraction, it's really going to be in process automation or process optimization. Rich, going to pass the same question to you. Yeah, no, you know, Tom uh, nailed it. Um, 
stole the thunder, but the, you know, the, our biggest use case and we are working on it is really a uh, more dynamic workflow. And we love our orchestration engine, uh, but we believe that, you know, machine learned uh, AI driven workflow, uh, more so on the retail side will, uh, you know, really change the business, you know, taking loans that, you know, are sitting there uh, that could be advanced because, you know, a processor doesn't get to it because they're, they're focused on expiration dates as opposed to what we can push through, um, you know, is, is a big, big driver and a big opportunity that we see. And so we've actually are building the, 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 those learnings and running, you know, and looking at the data so that we can start doing some of that work. So we positioned our uh, orchestration engine. We'll be doing a lot of that work in 23, but so that it can take those inputs from Ava so that we can actually change the workflow in midstream based on what happened just a couple of moments ago. And then we're doing, you know, um, you know, doing some things around our CRM product and uh, predictive analytics. You know, we have a, a, a great tool, uh, but, you know, it's over 18 years of learning as opposed to using some more advanced capabilities on when, when is a person going to pick up their phone or when are they going to answer an, uh, an email or look at an email there's uh, there's a lot of work going on there. We're doing a lot with uh, what we call predictive analytics around, you know, what the borrower is going to do, predicting, you know, fallout uh, loans that are uh, running into potential compliance problems. And, you know, we, we got a, quite a list that uh, we're working on. A lot of it is using the same. It's all the same technology. We, we, we aren't building anything new on Ava. We're using that same foundation. And, we're just pointing it to uh, a different set of data uh, to uh, learn from. Rich, the last decade has brought a, a lot of innovation and adoption in, in mortgage technology. But if we watch the the MBA's IMB profitability survey, we're still seeing costs originate at, at record highs. And I mean, I think the the most recent read, and this has you know several factors at play here, but um, we're losing money on on every loan. How, do you think that? AI and the innovation we're talking about today is a step toward more cost-efficient lending. And this conversation has to come up with clients, but how are clients like quantifying like what investment in technology can mean toward their margin profile and more profitable lending? Yeah, so absolutely. Uh, we, you know, that's what we're, we're focused on every day. You know, we, we believe, you know, pre- you know, AI work that we've been doing that, you know, using the automation that we've created uh, where you don't touch things and you, you still evaluate data. We're doing a lot of that evaluation uh, through engines and rules and those kinds of things that, you know, really could and should speed up uh, the process and lower those costs. You know, we've just added an additional capability uh, with Ava that we're we're looking to, to continue to drive that down. You know, I think the biggest piece, quite honestly, is the adoption. You know, we have uh, plenty of lenders out there um, that really struggle with the idea, and it's, a lot of it's their users uh, don't want to adopt and learn. And it again, it comes back to what I said earlier: leadership plays a, a key role in that. And if the leadership um, gets the the platform to adopt change and learn, uh, you know, change, you got to change your processes. Right. And, um, and, and by doing so, you absolutely are going to lower those costs. We, we've, we've quantified it with a couple of third parties that, you know, have the expertise in that arena. 
So we know that it's there. And then when you add Ava on top, we, we think it, it takes it to the next level. Yeah. So Tom, you know, being the the practitioner who to chooses technology partners and, and vendor partners, how do you think about, how do you think about ROI and uh, the, the cost structure that you're building toward for your business? Yeah. Well, yeah, as always, I mean, the, the proof is in the numbers, right. And being able to track it and see that you're actually getting that, you know, productivity lift. And you, know, you mentioned, you know, this the grinding, grinding higher in costs in the industry. Yeah, I think uh, there's a certainly a big piece of that is related to the growth in loan sizes and the fact that you know the sales compensation is very much variable with loan size. Yeah, I kind of focus on um, you know the productivity numbers themselves. So how many loans you know does an underwriter underwrite? How many loans is a you know process or process and close or close? Um, and we have definitely seen improvement in that over time. We've also seen you know wages go up. Um, you know, it's really happened through you know, the big crunch we had in 2020, but the, the productivity is real. I also think, you know, as much progress as we've made, you know, really, as I said earlier, could be on the cost of making, you know, some significant leaps forward. So some of this technology is really starting to mature. Um, as Rich said, it's also getting everybody on board with it. And, you know, that's one thing that, you know, we take really seriously is making sure, you know, we've got the training aligned with the rollout that we're doing the monitoring in place on what's happening, you know, throughout the process. So we do, you know, see those gains and look at, for people, you know, change is tough. I mean, when people are used to doing things the way they've done them, um, you have to help them understand the benefits of doing things differently. You know, I recall this a few years ago, we had rolled out a new process around providing a centralized review around appraisals. Um, and then we found, you know, Six months later, our, our underwriters were still reviewing all the appraisals. <laughs> like, no, we don't need to do that anymore. You know, so it's you know it's a constant education process. It's working with the team and getting everybody bought into you know how this helps us compete better. And you know, we may be you know shrinking down the amount of time you need to s- spend on something. I think sometimes people get a little fearful of that, but talk about how that's going to help us grow our business and what that means for long term. You know, that's the kind of message we need to get out there. So it is a, you know, constant work effort. Um, but then we see the reward coming in, you know, the shorter cycle times, the improved customer service, you know, the improved productivity. Yeah, that's an interesting point you make there about people being nervous around processes becoming more efficient. It's a, uh, it's a funny dynamic where the market solves for that one way or another. And um, your business is either massively inefficient and you're not successful and you don't win and headcount goes down because of, because you're losing or you're really efficient and you, uh, you process more loans per processor and originator and you need fewer heads, few, fewer team members because of the efficiency. But I guess in the latter case, you're at least growing volume, which creates career opportunity for everybody who's part of the innovation and and path toward efficiency. Yeah, I mean, you're you're right on with that, Clayton. And the other thing I'd add to that is, you know, really sitting down and talking to people about what do you enjoy doing, and we also say what else can we be doing with customers, right? So, you know, pulling data out of a W two or whatever tax returns and inputting it into the system you know, is, is not something that people get passionate about. They get passionate about helping people get into homes. They get passionate about helping people lower their cost of home ownership or use their equity to do other things in their lives. 
And so what we're constantly talking about is how do we make that happen? You know, and, and it's not all about just because, you know, we don't need as much time to underwrite a loan that we don't want underwriters. We want underwriters to be helping more customers. And there are, you know, millions of, you know, customers out there, uh, minority, you know, customers out there that would love to own a home, don't know how, need help. They need counseling. We'd much rather spend more of our time helping people than, you know, doing data extraction. Exactly. Do you want job security because you held on to the old way of doing things and refused to innovate? Or do you want job security because you leveraged technology and found your highest and best use and can go actually do what adds value in the world? Yeah, that's exactly right. Tom, Rich, thank you both so much for for joining us today, talking about this, this collaboration and the innovation that's happening across the mortgage tech ecosystem. And, um, and Tom, thanks for giving us a glimpse into your, your business at, at U.S. Bank. It is, it is always fun to hear about the, the inner workings of a powerful player in the market. Thanks, Clayton. Yeah, great. Really enjoyed it. Thanks, Tom. Yeah, thank you, guys. See you. Bam. Now that is a wrap of this week's episode of the Housing News Podcast. Do me a huge favor and go to iTunes and rate this show. And if you leave a comment, you better tune in next week because you might get a shout out. Thank you.